During the last two broadcasts, we have been considering the question of Christian forgiveness as it appears in the words of our Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 17. And we said in the words of Christ that this was a very difficult situation. In verse 3, he begins with these uh, very interesting words, be on your guard. And the reason why he warns us while discussing this subject is that he has hard and difficult things to command us. First, we saw how he commands that if your brother sins, you are to rebuke him. We have an obligation placed upon us whenever we're wronged by another Christian brother. And that obligation is to go and to get the matter straightened out with him in love. The second thing, which is even harder, is that if he repents, forgive him. Even as Jesus says in verse 4, even if he repents seven times a day for having committed the same wrong against us seven times a day, we are obligated to forgive him if he asks for it. Well, the apostle said, we saw last time, increase our faith if we've got to forgive him seven times a day for hitting us in the nose seven times a day. That's tough. That's hard. We can't do that unless we have more faith. But we saw that Jesus swept away any such excuses or objections by showing that even if they had a faith like mustard seed, a small little seed like that, a smidgen of faith, that they could do wonders with it. In effect, our Lord was saying, don't use that pious cop out. You don't need more faith, you just need to obey me. It's not a matter of faith, it's a matter of obedience. Now there's one more thing to see in this passage about this question, and that is the matter of another objection. Before the apostles ever voiced the second objection, Jesus anticipated it, and that was this objection. If I don't feel like forgiving, then I shouldn't forgive. Ah, oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? After all, we don't want to be hypocritical about what we do when we say, I forgive you. So, people say, until I feel forgiving, surely God wouldn't want me to forgive someone. Otherwise, I'd probably be a hypocrite in doing so. Let's consider that objection, because the Lord Jesus sweeps that one aside, too. He tells a story in verse 7 through verse 9. Let me read it for you. Which of you, having a slave, plowing, or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come immediately and sit down to eat. But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat, and properly clothe yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? And he does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? Now that's the story that Jesus tells in order to sweep aside the other objection that was already forming in the apostles' minds. What is he saying? Well, let's look at the story again a little more closely. Here's a slave out in the hot field laboring away all day long, plowing or tending sheep. When he comes in at the end of the day, he's hot and sweaty and tired, and he's hungry. He could eat the leg off of a chair. And as he comes in, his Lord doesn't look at him, Jesus says, and size up his condition and say to him, oh, I see you're tired and you're, you're hungry. Go on over there and rest and uh, get yourself something to eat. No. In spite of the way that that slave feels, the master says to him, you've got more to do. You go in there and you get those dirty, filthy, sweaty clothes off and get yourself a bath or a shower and get yourself cleaned up so that you smell decent enough that you can come in here and feed me. And indeed, that slave has to go get washed up. Then he has to make his master's meal. Then he has to go in and he has to serve it to his master. 
Now, can't you picture him hungry with his stomach gnawing away, with uh, his stomach growling and his tongue hanging down to his shoelaces? Can't you picture him going in there, tired and hungry, and making all those mashed potatoes for his Lord, uh, making all that gravy with all the aroma that arises from it, and can't you picture him just making, uh, heating all that roast beef up for him and then having to go in and with a towel hanging over his arm kind of watch his master while he slowly eats away at this beautiful meal. And here he is, hungry as he can be. All of his feelings say, don't do it. Dig in and eat it yourself. All of his feelings say, forget your master. Don't pay any attention to what he commands you to do. Go eat it yourself. Can't you picture that slave bringing that meal in? By the time he's had to make that appetizing-looking meal, why, it just looks to him like uh, instead of a few potatoes on a plate and a little bit of gravy and meat, his eyes are so big, they're like saucers, and it looks like, like he's bringing in mountains of potatoes and lakes of gravy and fields of green peas and forests of roast beef reaching up to the ceiling. Indeed, when he brings in that dessert that he's had to whip up, it looks like uh, 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 cliffs of apricots over which Niagara's of whipped cream are pouring. That's what it looks like to this guy. And yet, in spite of everything within him, in spite of all of his feelings, in spite of everything that orients him toward diving in and eating that meal himself, he has to stand there and wait and do what his feelings tell him not to do. So the Lord is, by this story, making it very plain to us, very explicit and very clear that it's not a matter of more faith, and here in this story, it's not a matter of the right feelings. It's not a matter of getting your feelings straightened away before you forgive. If you had to wait until you felt right after somebody was punching you in the nose seven times a day, you wouldn't say, uh, I forgive you, even for the first punch. And so it's not a matter of feeling right. It's a matter of obeying the Lord, whether you feel like it or not. You say, but doesn't that make you a hypocrite? Absolutely not. Every morning I do something first thing in the morning against my feelings and it doesn't make me a hypocrite. What is it you say? Well, I get up. I don't ever feel like getting up, but I have to do it whether I feel like it or not. And so whether I feel like it or not, I get up against all of my feelings. I never do feel like it. And so I get up anyway, I do the thing I'm responsible to do, and later on I feel better. That doesn't make me a hypocrite, it just makes me responsible. You see, in our day we have a very wrong view of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not doing something that God commands you against your feelings. That's just plain responsibility, Christian responsibility. Hypocrisy is going around misrepresenting your feelings or misrepresenting your motives. If I went around telling everybody I love to get up or at least representing myself as finding it easy to get up in the mornings, then I'd be a hypocrite. But here I've told the whole world on this broadcast that I hate to get up in the mornings. So that doesn't mean hypocrisy and acting against my feelings. Nor does it mean hypocrisy and acting against your feelings to forgive, to promise another that you will forgive him. And by the way, that's what forgiveness is. It's a promise. That's why you can make it against your feelings and why you can keep it against your feelings. When you forgive another, what you're saying to him is this, I promise you I won't hold it against you anymore. When God forgave you, if you're a Christian, God promised you, I will remember your sins against you no more. And that's what the forgiveness promise means. I won't beat you over the head with what you've done against me. I won't tell others about what you've done against me. And perhaps most important, I won't dwell on it in my own heart and in my own mind henceforth. So the promise, I forgive you, the promise that we give to others, 
The granting of forgiveness is something we can do even when we don't feel like it because God tells us to do it. We can do it out of obedience because God commands us to do it. And we can keep that promise not to tell others, not to beat our brother over the head with this, and not to dwell on the matter in our own minds. And when we do, then our feelings toward the other person begin to change. The question sometimes asked is, do you have to forgive and forget? No, the Bible doesn't say that. It says you've got to forgive. But indeed, that's the way you do forget. When that promise, I forgive you, is made, that's the only thing when it is kept that will lead you to truly forgetting what another has done to wrong you. May God bless you and help you to make that promise and to keep it. Lord, we pray that you will give to us clear insight into this matter, that we may know what to do and that we may obey you in it. For Jesus' sake, amen.